crazy. All right, come on, laptop. It's like taking forever just to go live on my end for some reason. There it goes. Welcome to the Church of Babies radio show. It's Friday night. And my voice is changing into Jack Nicholson on the full moon. That's right. It's Jack Nicholson time. You know, uh, first off, uh, we got Wham here with us tonight. Hi. Wham's representing. <laughs> we got Michael Kalzowski uh, saying. Say it one time for us all, so I don't mess it up. Kozlowski. Kozlowski. I'm Georgia, so I'll mess it up. Kozlowski. I'm Georgia, so I will mess it up. But anyway, uh, I need it to, first off, uh, def, I mean, deadskypublishing.com. That's dead, D-E-A-D, skypublishing.com. And they were just on last week. And uh, they put out splatter westerns, and it's like Weird West uh, horror novels. Like, imagine Clint Eastwood, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, but there's weird zombie Wendigo cannibals. Like, it's the best way to describe it. Okay. I dig it. I like it. <laughs> but anyway, they have a new uh, they have a, a new Weird West and anthology coming out now. Going back is actually in that. I believe oh, Joe man. R. Lansdale as well is in it. I think. I'd have to double check, but they've both been on the show, Joe and Al. And uh, but they, they're putting that out, and that's deadskypublishing.com. And you can go to Amazon and uh, all their stuff's on there. But I really love Weird West. And then just one more Weird West book that another publisher sent me, and we'll get we'll started. Uh, this is from Nightfire Tour. Weird West apparently is having a, a renaissance. But this book is called Red Rabbit by Alex Grecian, and he's a New York Times bestselling author. And he just put out a Weird West book called uh, Red Rabbit. Want it for witchcraft, dead or alive. It's one of the, one of the blurbs. But it's basically uh, a eerie, exhilarating, and enduring generation uh, paints the old American West and Wicked, Johnny Compton. But it's Weird West, that's Red Rabbit. And then the other place is Dead Sky Publishing. And uh, you're listening to United Public Radio, 107.7. Uh, FM New Orleans, and last week we had a whole Weird West show. If you missed that, check it out with uh, <clears throat> Chad Lutz, and uh, that was a good one and, and weird. We just talked about the history of all that Weird Westness. <laughs> but uh, good to have you here, Michael. Uh, Visible E Press, and I've been working with them for many moons. Like God, they put out great books. I know I've, I've been getting their books for a very long time. Oh, maybe over 10 years. And we've had a lot of their guests on. And your book is American Ghost Stories, True Tales mm-hmm. for All 50 States. And it's by Richard Estep, who's been on. And uh, is this your first book? Uh, no, it's my first uh, kind of ghost your- story book. Um, but it's not uh, my first book. I, I write more uh, horror fiction, actually. Um, so I have a couple of uh, novels published nice, uh, nice. Uh, through uh, uh, Raven's Tale. And uh, I have a collection of horror short stories that have been published various magazines and whatnot. And I uh, just collected those. There, That's all available on Amazon or on my website, uh, which is MikeKozlowski.com. I'll say that several times tonight. So be sure to write it down at one of those ones. Yeah, go ahead. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely get those plugs in. And 
so what uh, what got you started on the subject of paranormal? First off, have you ever had anything paranormal happen to you that maybe caused that? <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like no, what happened with the horror stuff too got you into all that? And I guess kind of like some background. <clears throat> sure. So the horror stuff, I'll, uh, I'll credit probably first to my mom for uh, giving me my first Stephen King book, which most uh, horror aficionados my age, <laughs> uh, that's probably where they got their start, reading a Stephen King book way too young. Uh, it was Pet Cemetery, and uh, I think I was 11, and I'm pretty sure she bought it for me because it had a cat on the front, and she knew I liked cats. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if she ever, there goes my dog, so bad because I just mentioned cats, oh, apparently. <laughs> but uh, anyway, oh my gosh, where did they start right now? Um, Pet so, Cemetery is a rough one. I think I read that in sixth grade. Yeah, that's that's read, an, that's intense. Pet, yeah, yeah. I think was, I read it, Pet Cemetery in sixth grade. Yeah, it's not uh, a book for an eleven-year-old. <laughs> right. But uh, I loved it, and uh, you know, next by the end of the year, I was in like the Stephen King book club. You know, they send you all the hardcovers and all that cool stuff, um, and just kind of went down that path with with the reading and uh, and I read everything. You know, all genres really, but um, that's kind of was my my main focus, I guess. And I really wasn't uh, into writing uh, until I moved to Australia. Probably it was about 15, 16 years ago, um, and decided to write a book, uh, kind of a little memoir about that. And uh, uh, that got published. I had a blast doing it. The research was fun. The writing was fun. Um, and we moved back to uh, the U.S. And I wanted to write some more stuff. And I wasn't moving anywhere else. So uh, they say, write what you love. Uh, they also say write what you know, but I don't buy that one as much. But uh, write what you love, and I love the horror stuff, so uh, that's the direction I went. What got you moving to Australia? What happened to that? That's a big adventure. Uh, my day job that uh, that pays the bills. I'm an engineer, and uh, mm -hmm. I took a job over there just for the adventure. You know, so it was and it was great. We had a great time. Um, met some great people. You know. Yeah, Australia seems like it's, it would be a fun place. I mean, they've got their own ghost so stories guess, there, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Are you having a delay, Jeffrey? Definitely. I, I've interviewed Stephen Strong on the Aboriginals. Yeah, it kind of seems like it. I don't know why, but... Yeah, the, the, it, seems, it seems to be like a delay. But does it seem like that on your end that I'm having one? Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. I don't know exactly. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, so I guess uh, what's your what state do you want to start? With? I, I, obviously, we don't want to be here all night telling a story from every state because we don't want to <laughs> give away all the book. But what are some of the, what uh, are some oh. of the states that you are the stories that you love to tell or if you want to start with something like that? Sure. So uh, the Michigan one, of course, uh, that one in this book is uh, actually very personal. Um, it's based on, uh, I mentioned uh, pre-show when we were chatting that, uh, you know, a family that lives uh, up north, rural area of Michigan in the uh, Thumb and uh, in a town called Forster. And that's where that story comes from. And it's a, a legend about a, a girl. Um, it's actually very popular in Michigan. A few books have been written just on the legend uh, of Minnie Quay, who uh, back in the... Uh, late 1800s um you know early 1900s period uh young teenage girl you know 16-ish uh, fell in love with a sailor um you know 
parents didn't like the relationship, kept them apart, the whole heartbreak, Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. Uh, Sailor went off to sea, uh, boat capsized, he died. She's, you know, tormented and throws herself off of the, you know, uh, the dock and uh, into the Lake Huron and perishes in the cold, uh, stormy waters and then comes back to haunt the town. So, <laughs> uh, but it's a story that I've known, you know, since I was a kid probably the first ghost story that I can think of that I heard, you know, because everybody in the family knew it, everybody in the area knew it. Um, so it was just, you're just kind of new, you know, we're aware all the time. So uh, that's probably my favorite story in the book. I don't want to give uh, the whole of it away as far as uh, what happens to people and all that, but it's, it's kind of your girl uh, tempting, you know, young lovers sort of story, right? And mm-hmm. You get into, into sort of trope one of the things you know writing the ghost story books you know and and kind of going down that path as i got more into the uh the paranormal uh things away from fiction a little is that you see those repetitive stories right you see like the the woman in white um or the uh you know uh the heartbroken uh, suicide lover or <laughs> um, yeah yeah <laughs> For the bride whose husband didn't show up or whatever you know it's always those sort of uh, very popular you'll find one in every state you know i could have wrote 50 stories about the white woman <laughs> yeah yeah it's that is a very common motif that is a very although you know sometimes there's um sometimes there's a real story behind oh for sure for sure behind the those apparitions but it's interesting that that those become sort of a a, a trope Mm-hmm. Uh, a way of talking about or describing the haunted nature of something right. that maybe isn't solved or is tragic in some way. And a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, there's a certain amount of a certain, you know, things, right. Traumas, uh, energies, emotions that, you know, are, are thought to cause, you know, hauntings and mm-hmm. apparitions and things like that. So you have, you know, things that are repetitive, you know, that just right. are by their nature, you know, the, the, the things that cause ghosts supposedly are, you know, similar all the time. So. Right. It seems to be that way anyway. You know, a suicide or, a, you know, a, a murderer that got away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah um, I mean, the when I was reading through some of your stories, um, there's, um, you know, I live in the Hudson Valley, which I, as I'm sure you recognize that's a place that's kind of known for ghost Mm -hmm. stories a little bit um well there there is a there is a story that comes out of the northern part of this area um up by troy which is uh now a suburb of albany and uh and it's the story of uh the unsolved murder and it's a true unsolved murder of this young woman named hazel drew uh, and I don't know if you know the story behind her. Uh, no, I'm but, not familiar. I don't think. Yeah, but well, what's interesting is that um, you know her. She she was murdered, I think, in like 1906 or something like that. Or her body was found, and and there's there's actually been like this, you know, a couple of books written about the whole investigation and everything. But what people there remember is uh, the story of this of of a, of a white woman you know, right. appearing along this certain um, dirt road that still exists that's close to the place where she, where she, her body was found. She was found in a, in a, a pond up in this one area, this very rural area. 
And um, what's interesting about that story is that that story was heard by a guy named Mark Frost, who I don't know if, if you know who Mark Frost is, but he's the guy who, along with David Lynch, created Twin Peaks. Okay. And, and that story of Hazel Drew informed big chunks of, of how, of, of, of the whole story behind Laura Palmer right. and, okay. and, and her murder and all that kind of stuff. So um, he, in, in some ways, Mark Frost was trying to convey the eeriness of the story of that same kind of story, you know, in a different way. And so some of these stories can be very influential, you know, no, to, yeah. to places and to, to people. You know, it's, uh, so. it's funny you bring up Twin Peaks as a, a guilty admission. I've never watched it, but I just started. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just started. I have like two episodes in. <laughs> okay, now are you are, are are you seeing the are you see, are you seeing the versions with the log lady? Uh, that, oh, you would know what I meant if you okay. had, because because in the original in the original um, broadcast, each the each episode is prefaced by the log lady okay, and the log lady sort of acts as a kind of greek chorus okay. introducing the vibe of the episode so if there's any way you can find episodes you might have to just like get the dvds or something or borrow right. the dvds um so that you can see the log light it adds a whole different level of eerie <laughs> <laughs> it's right. kind of like i mean it's good without her you can watch the episodes without her but if you have those episodes if you have her beforehand there it's like oh my god you know it just it <laughs> completely ups the creep i'll name drop for a second i just started watching it because uh josh mallerman probably familiar with her bird box yeah. and um he's a michigan guy as well and, um we're acquaintances you know i'd like to say friends but i don't want to be too you know friend. yeah so, right. <laughs> but he just i uh, was you know posting that he's like a whole lynch, uh, marathon you know so uh they did twin peaks and all that so i was like okay i guess i'll do it <laughs> well, just, well just think think of it i mean it's a good period piece and the thing about twin peaks is that it was it's based so it's based on a ghost story Right. It's based on this ghost story that's kind of, um, you know, brought to a to a modern period like the 1990s. Um, and it, it really set the stage for a lot of different things that followed. You know, it was the first CSI kind of show. Without it, you would not have X-Files. I mean, once right. you get into it, you re you'll realize just how incredibly formative it was, even though the first series was not very long you know right. um but it was incredibly important show um but it's based on a ghost story that's interesting i have to follow it, that up for sure you know it's uh and and so your ghost stories were reminding me of this you know you have you you describe them very well you tell the Thank stories you. well Thank you. um and that's well that's important you have to tell these stories well yeah, and I think it helps, you know, having being a fiction writer as well. You know, you can, and I won't say that, you know, I didn't make anything up, but you know, you embellish, you you make it a little more colorful, you know, um, and sometimes right. it's just the wording, you know. Uh, so that I think that was uh, advantageous for the book. So did, you, did you did you did you what kind of research did you do? Um, a lot was online um, and calls and messaging with people that I could get a hold of and. Um, you know, researching 
several you know stories old newspapers all that good stuff um there's clippings in the book and some of the stories and mm-hmm. uh and then when i could um and it was it was less than a dozen probably you know i just don't have the means to <laughs> travel to everywhere but um I, I went and visited and had my experiences you know one of my favorite ones was uh in kentucky the story there is the uh bobby mackey uh mm. music uh bar there um and that was we went down and uh we were going down for something else so i was able to we went and visited just on a regular night while the bar was open and you know and hung out and then i ended up talking to waitresses and bartenders and whatnot and then i was able to work with the paranormal group that uh operates down there and gives tours and got a private tour kind of on our way back through and uh you know got some in-depth you know stories and mm-hmm. uh, it was really nice so um, and then, you know, you kind of have some experiences, you know, and I'm, uh, for the record, I, I lean skeptic, right? That's my kind of, you know, I'm sort of the, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, from uh, 1408, right? Stephen King's uh, story there. I'm, I'm the John Cusick uh, sort of guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking for the real ones. So, yeah. and, and I don't discount anybody's experiences or anything like that. You know, it's just, I'm waiting for the one that convinces me, right? So, um but you know you still have an experience right so at bobby mackey's just you know you're talking you're telling these stories you're walking around this dark bar nobody's there everything's you know everything's creaking the bars you know hasn't changed since the 70s probably and it looks like it's about to fall into the river behind it you know so (laughs) there's all these weird noises and shadows and things and you know you'll just get that chill up your spine or you'll you'll hear something over here that, well, what, you know it's, maybe that was something <laughs> yeah yeah well you can certainly psych yourself up yeah, in, yeah. In, in, into into stuff uh that's especially i think groups can do that you know if you get a bunch of people into a place i think that you can right. do that yeah i think it's pretty easy but you know have you know. had have you had any experiences individually that you kind of wondered uh, about um nothing that really stuck with me i mean when i was younger i had friends that uh you know we would call you know psychics and we would do the ouija board and you know and and there were moments in the moment where i was you know scared or what's going on but um you know i'd like to i'm a i'm an investigative sort and uh and and uh i don't take too much just at face value so you know I need to be pretty convinced and whether I believed it in the moment, I either talked myself out of it later or, you know, um, you know, that sort of thing. So, right. Well, you know, that, that makes a certain kind of sense. Can you hear us, Jeffrey? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I can hear, I can hear everything fine, but is there still like a delay on my end? You're saying, yeah, yeah, there's, there seems to, there's, there seems to be a little bit of a delay. Yeah. No, the only thing for me is the internet and this laptop. I'm sorry, what, Michael? I, do what I, now? I just didn't want to cut him off. I'll wait a second till we. <laughs> What'd you say, Jeffrey? Oh, I was just saying. I'm. I mean, this is the same headset I use on the other PC. So the only thing I could think that it could be is the internet and this laptop causing the delay. That's the only thing it could be. It's the same exact headset. So. No, I, well, I it's not, it, usually so delays are not caused by headsets. So, uh, you know, it's probably your, it's probably the laptop. It's probably internet. Yeah. Annoying. Well, uh, so, what were you going to say, Michael? 
I was yeah. going to ask uh, Wham and, and yourself, have you had, you know, supernatural experiences that, uh, you know, have stuck with you or, or that uh, have convinced you of, you know, the reality of ghosts or. Well, or I've had, had I, well, I've had, before. I've had weird experiences. I, my, my whole thing is that I think people have lots of experiences. Um, I don't know what a ghost is. Um, I, you know, I mean, the, the popular definition of a ghost is that it's some, it's, it's, it's a soul or a spirit or whatever that would be, right? <laughs> you know, that's left over after someone's died. I mean, I guess it's like the common, sure. you know, yep. a, a right. definition, but the truth is we don't really know what that is. And I don't know what that is. Um, it's, it's kind of like explaining an unknown with an unknown. You know what I mean? It's it's like we have these experiences and we put labels on them to try to get a sense of, to, so we can call them something. Right. Um, I have had some odd experiences. I mean, I I have a I have a my own blog, you know, podcast thing that I do personally in my own website, and I talk about some of the experiences that I've had. Um, I've lived in, in fact, I'm writing one now. I've lived in three houses that I would, that I would consider haunted, whatever that means. Okay. Um, in the sense that, and, and I have a particular definition for why I'm talking about these particular houses in these houses, in each one of these houses, I had my own experiences, but I'm calling them haunted because other people had experiences in them independently of me and, and talk to me about their experiences. Okay. So, so in other words, it was, it wasn't just me having them. It was other people having them. And sometimes our experiences would intersect, but, but oddly enough, they at least in the three places that I'm writing about right now, they didn't very much. Although we would have similar experiences independently and then talk about them. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and some of the experiences were kind of, uh, I don't have a lot of visual stuff. That's not really, I, if, if I see something, it's really unusual. Um, okay. And I think it's because I I'm I'm kind of skeptical too, and I also don't want to see anything. <laughs> so part of it, it's like oh, right. no, that's, no, that's no, no, right, exactly. Um, I think that the thing that, but I do have a I have a a, a good. I tend to hear stuff that is unusual. And I also have, I have, I also have other tactile experiences. I think the only thing that I ever, mm -hmm. other than the time that I saw something, and this is not ghost related, the time that I saw something that I can't identify and I can only say that it looked like what we call Bigfoot, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is, yeah. um, which scared the crap out of me, by the way. Um, the only time I've ever seen anything like ghost-like um, that probably just made me stop and not understand at all what was going on, um, I was. Um, this was is one of the haunted houses that I'll be talking about. Um, it was a it was the house of a friend of mine, um, and she tended to have. You know, this is the way she described herself. She she was 
um, a, a, a kind of a traditional witch. And she tended, that's what she called herself. And okay. she tended to um, have interactions with the dead, as she put it, um, that they would come to her, souls that were lost would come to her and she would send them on. That's just kind of how she talked about her experiences. And so as a result of that, her house often had reportedly, and this is according to her daughter and other people who lived with her, obviously, a lot of weird crap that would occasionally go on. Well, I happened to be at her house one one weekend when there was a lot of activity going on in the house. And there was some specific reasons for that, which I, you know, I, I'm going to write about, but I don't want to all get into that had, but, but had accelerated some of these, these experiences that people were having. And I did experience some of what people were talking about. Like, so one of the things that would happen is that you'd, and I'd been in this house before. So I kind of, you know, I knew where everything was and I knew kind of where, you know, where things should be and not be, you know, and, and stuff like that. And you would go, you would walk down. I was walking down the hall and you would just, I'd just be walking down the hall. And then all of a sudden you would, you would feel this. I mean, it happened unexpectedly. It would feel like somebody or something was right up against you, you know, and it would feel exactly as if you had bumped into somebody. Hmm. That's literally how it felt. And, but it, there would be nobody there. But it would almost be like you would feel like something, somebody deliberately bumped into you. Right. You know, it was, and it was, and you know, that's very unnerving to have that I'm experience. Sure. Yeah. And, and and very physical, and yet nobody's there. Um, so that was part of what one of the things that I experienced there. I think the thing that really freaked me out though was that at one point there were five of us in the living room. This was in broad daylight, so it wasn't at night. Uh, we were talking. It was um, there was a there was a uh, there was a lit candle. She had uh, my friend had lit a candle in a candlestick that was kind of across the room. It her daughter was at one side of the room. She had lit the candle on the other side of the room, and the candle was you know like a prayer candle. It was you know for calmness or whatever you know mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and there were like three other of us and we were all just sort of scattered around the the room you know and we were talking and then all of a sudden we heard all of us together heard this kind of cracking pop noise and it was coming from the direction of the candle that was lit it was in like a candle you know like a candle holder it was like a taper i don't know you know your standard what 12 inch taper whatever okay. and what I saw was because, and at first I didn't know what had happened for some reason, my mind read when I saw it happening, I was obviously trying to understand. I thought that maybe the, the candlestick had become hot and broken and snapped and something had, you know, it had, you know, how <laughs> when that happens, sometimes candles can kind of explode a little bit. But it turned out that that's not what had happened. It turned out that what the popping was, was the actual candle itself. It had not burned down. The candle itself had broken in half, just standing there. It had broken in half. And both parts, it was like 
it, it was like some something had broken them. You know, you can break a candle like that. It had broken in half and both parts of the candle flew across the room. But the weirdest one was that the top part that was lit remained lit and it flew across the room right at the daughter. Oh. I mean, and, and kind of in slow motion. It didn't go yeah. boom, you know, like that. It kind of went. And, and I was, I remember just standing there going, my, you know, my brain was not computing it at all. And, and, and then as it got close to her, it accelerated and she saw it and she, you know, she dodged, you know, like this and it hit the wall behind her. Hmm. And, and we just all sat there going, okay. <laughs> that was, you know, that was our response. And, and uh, I think that that probably scared me more than, because I have no, I have no explanation for that. Right. I don't know what that was. Right. And and so, um, you know, but it wasn't like a ghost. But it was like sure. it was a pol it was a poltergeist. It was a poltergeist event. And so I, pol so poltergeist I, events tend to freak me out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would I would see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I believe like I I don't I would say right now if somebody were you know to put me on the spot i'd say no i don't believe in ghosts but i believe in energy you know mm -hmm. and, the, and the ghost thing is a lot to do with my own you know personal beliefs regarding you know the afterlife and things like that and whatever. right exactly you know they just don't jive right like ghosts don't fit into my narrative <laughs> so right, exactly. um but an energy you know energy does so um you know things that could be explained in that way like sort of like a repetitive sort of uh, you know, uh, you know, the ghost on the loop sort of idea, you know, it's just more mm -hmm. of a, a real, right? It's not interactive. It's just a, you're seeing some flash from the past or something that's, you know, multiversing us or something, <laughs> you know, whatever, however that works. Right. Well, right. right. Um, you know, something like that, that could be, you know, energy related somehow, you know, or, or even, you know, orbs or things like that. Um, even hearing voices or something, you know, I guess, you know, could be, right. It's all waves and, you know, there may be science behind it is, is kind of my point. Right. right? No, no, I agree. I, I, supernatural sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, if we think about, if we think about the supernatural, you know, was, is generally termed the supernatural as simply being something we haven't quite explained yet. Right. Just having figured it out. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of where I come down on this kind of thing too. It's, it's not that I, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't believe that you can, that there can be communication with all of that stuff. I mean, but to me, it's like, um, number one, <laughs> I don't know why ghosts would want to necessarily communicate with me, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, but but on another level, it's like, of course, there could be some types of communication, because if you think of, you know, I mean, I think of like consciousness as sort of being everywhere. Mm -hmm. So if, if if that's if that's possibly the case, then there might be kind of all levels of communication that might occur, you know, right. across time or across you know, different dimensions or, or something like that. I mean, I tend to think like the house that we live, that I live in now, I don't call it haunted because I've, I, I haven't experienced any kind of regular things here that would tell me that, but there have been some odd things that have happened here. And I, but I don't, I think it's because it's an old house. Mm 
You know, this right, house yeah. is is over a hundred years old. It sits on it sits on um, groundwater. I mean, it sits right on a well, right on a spring. We have like five springs in the on the property. Um, so water's everywhere. A number of people have died in the house naturally. You know, no, nobody mm -hmm. unnaturally. Um, it, it's it's a house that's had like a normal lifespan. And all those things, you know, every experience is leaving a mark, right? Exactly. Leaving some sort of energy or some sort of something behind, uh, you know, and maybe we cross over those things. Right. right. Or maybe even the house itself, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. I think, sometimes I think like houses, especially old houses, you know, they just accumulate all that stuff right. from different people. And it's sort of like a memory box. I like I like the idea of it accumulating so much that every once in a while it has to spit something out. Or express <laughs> that's, itself, that's, you know. Right. It's like I gotta get this out, so that's why you get a ghost. <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, maybe it just becomes you know, you know, like the occult if you're familiar with the occult idea of the egregore, you know, there's sort of I was, develops yeah. Yep. yeah, is that what you're gonna say? I was gonna mention it earlier actually when you were talking about uh, you know, people's experiences and how they see things and whatever and sort of that collective uh, consciousness and why, you know, you have certain tropes, right? Like, that's just what's in your head. So you might think, you know, if I'm going to see this, uh, I know this story about a, a woman that uh, was going to get married and on her wedding day, she's in her dress and she's already and her husband gets killed and she goes commit suicide because she's so distraught. Mm -hmm. You're going to think of a white wit, right? You're going to think of a woman right. in white. Right. And, and, you know, other stories of women in white so that they're going to influence you. So, you know, that sort of collective thought and just those stories. It's an interesting the Irigor, the idea that that story can create an actual sentient being. sort of, Right. Yeah. One one theory is that enough of us can think about something that it actually manifests. Yeah. That's like the whole Slender Man thing. Yeah. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. You know that 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 there is a that there is a kind of energy that has collectively created, right. perhaps, uh, maybe intermittently, you right. know, an entity like that. Yeah. I, that's, I, that's the stuff that you know. Though I'm not a you know somebody who thinks I'm going to find a ghost. Still, when I'm walking through a place or I'm doing you know research or whatever, you know, I'm still getting chills. I'm still expecting something to get me from around the corner, you know, <laughs> you know uh -huh. until it doesn't, right? You know, just like, it's like a haunted house. I know that nothing in there is real, you know, like a Halloween haunted house, you know, not a, not right, or right, exactly. But, you know, I know nobody, you know, they're all in costumes and that, but I still, you know, poop myself a little when they jump out. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're, you're still susceptible to the jump scare, right? You're right. So, <laughs> say, and that's what makes it, but even if I never am convinced there's a ghost or never prove that ghosts aren't real or whatever, the, you right. know, the, the journey is the fun part. Well, yeah. Well, and you, and you get to, and, and I mean, when I, that's one of the things I noticed when I was reading through um, your books, I mean, your, your stories here is that uh, what I liked about it was that you, you give a little bit of a history of each place right. and it's, it's brief, but you give a little bit of a history because that history is actually really important because it, it sets the, it sets the context for the story. Um, yeah. And because these stories, you know, even the ones that are tropes, they don't appear in isolation. You know, they're they're right. part of a of a larger milieu of of uh, 
of, of account, you know, that's what I, that's what's interested me about the Hudson Valley. You know, the Hudson Valley is known as a place where lots of different things happen. And that, and that has become so much a part of the place here that, you know, of, of especially the mid Hudson Valley, but even, you know, mm -hmm. the further environs like down towards New York city and up towards Albany, that there are many communities that they just expect stuff to happen. Right. And when uh, stuff does, they just are kind of like, it's part of who we are, you know? Right. Well, and a, like a, you know, a, one that everybody would know, it'd be like Salem, right? Like, right. You just expect there's witches there. It's haunted. That's just what it is. That's, you know, but if you didn't know the history of that, then it would make no sense. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. It's exactly. important, right? The story, you know, and people, I think when you have an experience, you know, it could be, you can go either way. It can be, this happened, this person died, uh, we had this, you know, whatever tragedy, so we should be seeing a ghost, and you're kind of looking around for a ghost, right? Or something happens, and then you go backwards, and you go, well, why did, the, you know, where did this come from? And then you go searching for the history, you know, and, and right. what could be causing this, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, how, how, how did this translate itself? I mean, one of the stories that I really, that I was interested in, let's see here if I can find it here. It's I got my cheat sheet too because I I forget things myself. That I yeah, just, well, you have so many. You're right um, enough things. <laughs> it's the it's the story about the Idaho Tuberculosis Hospital oh, okay. and Doctor Hart, and that was that's very interesting about yeah. who Doctor Hart was, um, because that's like one of those little details that you know some people would say. Some people would say, why should that be part of the story? Right. You know what I mean? Why, why should that be part of the story? And to me, it's like, well, part of the reason why that might be important in the story is because that lends an entirely different sort of emotional component right. to, to this person. Right. Forbidden history. Grizzly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Havey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. And I thought it you know, I tried not to, I tried to be pretty diverse in the stories. You know, like I said, right. I could have, I could have found 50, every prison is haunted. Every, you know, <laughs> tuberculosis ward is haunted. Every mental institution is haunted. Every lighthouse is haunted. Every school is probably haunted. You know, so, so, you know, I could have wrote a book just about lighthouses, you know, because there's one everywhere. Right. Um, you know, and the same way that, you know, I could have wrote 50, you know, women in white stories or whatever, but I tried to one vary those stories so we had a lot of diversity just in the the place the location the type of haunting whether it's a poltergeist or you know whatever 
And then also not just make them all tragedies, right? It's like sometimes it was a good ghost, <laughs> you know, like, like this ghost right. was because, you know, nice things happened or whatever. So Right. Well, and in this particular instance with Dr. Hart, I mean, you know, for, for the listeners who don't know, I'll, I, I won't give the whole story away, but Dr. Hart appears to have been an individual. Oh, this person was assigned female at birth, was born, born a female, right. um, but understood themselves to be a male. And so at a certain point in their life, they had a hysterectomy and lived the rest of their lives. And this is in the early 20th century. So they lived the rest of their lives as, as a male and they were and they were a doctor they had been a what a doctor previous to that right yes uh, as a, as a as a female and so this this person was a was what we would now call a trans person trans a, tra a trans man and um and had become and was a doctor as a male and was found out to be trans and moved you know, it was kind of yeah, and and as a, as a result of that, yeah. you know, the life their their life was kind of disrupted by that a few times, um, but was a very dedicated doctor, and and was well known to be a dedicated doctor, and what's so what's interesting to me about this story is that um, as you put it, if this if the ghost of Doctor Hart is still in this tuberculosis hospital and 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 this hospital became known as, as, as a very good hospital, uh, largely because of the efforts of Dr. Hart, uh, then, then, it's, then this, this person is a ghost, not because of the, the difficulties and the intensities of their life as a trans man, but because of their dedication. Right. You know. Yeah, and, and that story and Dr. Hart doesn't really interact. Like these, they see a doctor, if we may assume it's Dr. Hart and there's no interaction with it. It's almost like, you know, it's the, the ghost is too focused on their mission and their, their duty to be bothered <laughs> with being a ghost. <laughs> right. Well, right. Well, and, and, and it's sort of like that whole recording thing right. that you were yeah. talking like about. Where, yeah. yeah. So it's sort, sort of like this, this, but part of, of course, with this person's, story this internal story would be would be there you know i mean every trans person can tell you that that transition and living with that and the implications of that there's obviously a lot of emotional stuff that goes with that there's a lot of intensity that goes with that um both you know in the person themselves and in some of the opposition that they will encounter right. in, in the, in the, in the controversy surrounding that. And so all of those things, you know, emotion is considered to be a very important component of, of what might create a haunting. Right. And you know, that, that was a story. I'm glad you brought that story up. I chose that story largely because of the Dr. Hart component, um, just because I thought it was, you know, refreshing um, and uh, inspiring even, you know, uh, right, right. And given our, you know, our political times and everything else, um, you know, it just felt uh, right to put it in. And I, as when I was compiling the book, um, I, I probably started with anywhere from five to ten, you know, stories in each state. Um, mm -hmm. Some were well known, some were, you know, word of mouth that I'd gotten from people, some were somewhere in the middle. Um, and then I just tried to narrow them down. I could probably write three more books like this, you know, with just stories that and that I would be happy to have included. You know, but you got to right, you right. middle it down eventually. 
Um, so some were really popular, like, you know, I, I wanted people to know some of them, like the birdcage uh, in the area of Arizona, Tombstone. You know, most people know the story of Tombstone, at least the history, if not right. things, right? Um, the Winchester House, a lot of people know that in California. But, mm -hmm. And then I wanted some that were kind of middle of the road and people locally, regionally probably know it. The Mini Quay one in Michigan, um, uh, Papa Blanca in New Mexico. Uh, those ones some people know and then i tried to find a few obscure ones that <laughs> like one person knows <laughs> you know, just to make it interesting but, uh, so that, well, that was I mean, a lot of fun of compiling it too and and just making it you know as diverse as i could but. well yeah and it and it but it stands out as a really interesting story you know um, and it is interesting what you say about every tuberculosis hospital is haunted because <laughs> the reason I say that is because um, until very recently, I, uh, I, I taught part-time at a community college here in the Hudson Valley, uh, Dutchess Community College, Dutchess County Community College. And the college itself, the buildings, um, were originally a tuberculosis hospital <laughs> itself. And, and there for sure. Yeah, right. And, and there, and there, and, and there were, there were, I mean, the college, the campus is now much larger than, than the hospital was, but, but the, but the, but the two original tuberculosis hospital buildings are still there. Um, and what is interesting is that, you know, when I first started teaching there and I didn't know this, when I first started teaching there, you know, I found out that those two buildings, one of which one is the admin building, the administration building, and the other, and that's where like the critical cases and terminal okay. cases were right. kept. Um, and and then, um, but a building I taught in a lot was was a building where the uh, the the patients that were you know they knew that tuberculosis couldn't be cured, but you know the the less sick patients were and but what's interesting is that people have reported ghosts in both buildings and I didn't know that at the time when I first started teaching there although I did have kind of a weird experience in one of the buildings once but I just attributed it to be being teaching a late night class and maybe not recognizing you know something I didn't even that was before I even knew that they were supposed to be haunted but anyway so so it, it's 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 true all tuberculosis yeah. hospitals everyone are every prison every lighthouse every, <laughs> every. That, where people are miserable yes yeah. <laughs> hey, alone uh, in a place you're probably gonna be a ghost <laughs> let let jeffrey speak now <laughs> Yes. Tell me if my tell me tell me if my delay gets any better because I turned off stuff and I've been researching it. Why it's the internet that's causing it for some reason. But let me know if it gets better or worse or whatever. But what can you tell us about the Hawaiian night marchers? Because that sounds very fascinating, especially with all the horror that's been going on there. <laughs> that's so traumatizing just to even read about. Like I saw one story. I saw one story of some girl talking about there were charred family members left in reclining chairs in their yard that refuse to go and they're just like crispy in their chairs like that it's just crazy so i'd love to hear a spiritual side what could you tell us about the night marchers all right well the, the night marchers were uh they're spirit warriors they're uh typically ancestors of the uh the native peoples there um and they were uh the warriors for one of the kings of Hawaii. 
um, who now still march in the uh, in the throughout the islands. Mostly, I think Maui's the, the, the mostly uh, seen. Uh, <clears throat> and you're supposed to just kind of not pay attention to them, look away. <laughs> um, if you're an ancestor, you're okay. If not, you could be you know taken by them and you know forever doomed to be one of the uh, warriors marching along. Um, interesting, I guess, with the, I hadn't really thought about that story in relation to the, the fires and, and everything. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what some of the, uh, you know, the native uh, peoples might have to say about that. And if there's, you know, if they feel like there's any sort of, uh, you know, connection, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I know they know it's a natural disaster or whatever, but, you know, those are the those are the kind of things where stories come out, right? Like that that you see them marching through the flames or uh, you know down the mountain. Right. Well. Well. Either that, or you get these weird conspiracy theories about about it. You know, like it was started by laser rockets or something. You know, it's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, I have I have actually been hearing um, some. Um, reports by you know native hawaii 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 i guess hawaii natives is what i should say indigenous hawaiians um that um kind of more of a sense it's more of a sense of irony about it all you know um, right um i know the uh the night marchers thing uh, sounds kind of similar like skinwalkers, but I don't think they would be considered the night marchers evil, hopefully not. But I know the skinwalkers no, like come for you and you have to kill someone above and they'll take you and, and stuff like that. Yeah, the skinwalkers, they're definitely, that's uh, like if you've done terrible things, like usually it's like cannibalism, right? That you end up turning into a, a skinwalker, uh, you know, all the other names that you're not supposed to say. Uh, you know, it's, a bit, it's bad luck. <laughs> the wendigos and things like that but uh yeah the, the night marchers are more uh protective more of the island um they're not uh they're not evil they're just uh you know kind of on their mission right and as long as you sort of respect them you're fine they don't they don't come hunting i guess And uh, you asked earlier about our paranormal experiences. I don't want to go into my stuff because it even bore me. I've told it so many times. But, <laughs> uh, basically, the reason we do the show is because is basically the reason we do the show is because I had a lot of stuff happen when I was younger up till now that ranged from uh, UFO to ghosts, and it seemed to revolve around tragedy and and trauma. And when I was 17, I had testicular cancer. I had to go through chemo. I lost one, which was really crappy. And a few years later, my dad died. And it seemed like all that was a combination that attracted things on a lot of different levels, from UFO to even seeing some weird beings that were strange. And I've seen beings of light many times with my physical eyes completely sober. I've seen mm. stuff while partying too, so let's not rule that out. <laughs> but, but but a lot of it seems to I have a big I have a big interest in how like a shamanic death and how trauma like 
I compare it to, and I try not to be dishonorable to Odin, but losing an eye, which an eye to me would be a little worse, maybe. Yeah, probably because you just couldn't see. But I think something about that tragedy and that pain opened my senses. And I started doing this show to figure out what the, I went crazy from it. And I still have PTSD from some of it. And what's really alarming now about all of it is a lot of these experiences you see the on uh, Skinwalker Ranch and beyond Skinwalker Ranch, I've had a lot of that similar phenomenon happen to me. And uh, they just had a weird show with that Chris Bledsoe. I don't want to get into this because I've already got into it so much. But look up this book if you get a chance. Chris Bledsoe, UFO of God. And it's in the Christian section on Amazon, and which is really <laughs> weird. But he was on Beyond Skinwalker, he was on Beyond Skinwalker Ranch. And he can summon UFOs. And he was there with Colonel John Alexander and two CIA analysts. And that whole book has blurbs from CIA and Colonel John Alexander. Uh, and it's about this dude that can summon UFOs. The phenomenon that he's had happen to him, I've done the same. I don't know if I could go do it right now, but I've seen weird stuff and asked it to move. It would move. I've seen two beings of light leave my house like they were in it and fly through the roof and go into the heavens. And I think maybe those were like luminous beings of light or deceased loved ones. I don't know what they were. But what's weird about that book and how I'm tying it into mine is it's like they're now commercializing Christian UFO summoning. <laughs> if you go to Amazon and look up UFO of God by Chris Bledsoe, People are under it going crazy, saying they're having the same phenomenon that he's having it. And I've been having it since I'm in my early 20s. So uh, now I, I, it feels like how a goth would feel if you see a goth section at Target. That's how I feel. It's like, but uh, uh, as far as uh, the, the, UFO, the UFO of God book, it's basically even Colonel John Alexander says on a blurb, you can be like us now. Like they want everyone to get outside and interact and have these experiences, which really creeps me out <laughs> that there's so many government people involved with Skinwalker Ranch in that book. Just look it up. It's a rabbit hole itself. UFO of God on Amazon. Like, UFO of I'm still God. trying to read it. It's like, right out, I guess I'm it's sorry. so alarming because there's so many. There's so many. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that kind of ego? That's kind of ego. That's the thing with these experiences, too. It can go to your head. <laughs> yeah. that's what they're doing they're trying to make it like a thing like barbie crazy. but anyway i've had a lot of i've had i've had a i've had a whole bunch of phenomenon happen and that's why i do the show when i was younger i had trouble getting interviews said a prayer had ufo experiences where we saw these red fire like things in the sky and my brother and nephew saw them and then the next thing you know I was on the phone with Stanton Friedman, nuclear physicist, Nick Pope, Ministry uh, Ministry of Defense, and it was like the UFO sighting. It was almost like aliens helped me get interviews. So I think this is about raising consciousness on a lot of different levels. But uh, but that's basically why we do the show. I had a lot of weird shit happen to me. <laughs> Wham has to, <laughs> but that's basically why we're here. Uh, you know, definitely trauma and tragedy seem to attract those things and people that have, that have had traumatic experiences, um, not just ghosts, but whether it's, you know, aliens or, you know, seem to be more open to that 
for whatever reason. So yeah, I can see that uh, you know those early experiences would definitely influence that sort of thing. Definitely, and uh, I'm curious if you read UFO of God, would you have an experience? So that's an experiment. Well, maybe I'll, I'll read it. I'm trying to be I'm not for anything. But uh, <laughs> <what happened>. yeah. <laughs> Will it make me believe I, in alien or God? I'm more worried about they're trying to get. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> both. But I'm more. It's weird because it's like they're trying to get people outside to see if they have super to see if they have superpowers interacting with this stuff. I'm worried they're going to swoop down and take people to some lab, and you never see yourself again. I'm scared to go out there and interact now that the government's more involved, which I think they've always been involved with it. But they're going to try to grab you and take you to Montauk or Stranger Things or something. <laughs> you know, that's creepy. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out with them. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to go out there and be their Superman playing with that stuff. I did it before, but I don't know if I could do it now. But uh, it's weird. I mean, basically, there's people under that book saying they can see do the same thing Chris Bledsoe can do now, summon UFOs. And has five stars on Amazon in the Christian section with tons of reviews. It's, it's weird. Those shows, Skinwalker Ranch and Beyond Skinwalker Ranch, those are really weird. There's so many government spooks on those shows. They had a roundtable with former governor of Utah, state attorney general of Utah, Robert Bigelow personnel, Robert Bigelow that personnel that used to be on the ranch, and it's so many government spooks. They basically, on the last season of Skinwalker Ranch, said that there's an underground base there. And they don't know if it, the military put it there or aliens. And they can't drill through it. And it's the craziest shit I've ever seen on a show in my life. Like, <laughs> I know it's a show, but there's a lot of government dudes on this show, which is, that's creepy. <laughs> Creeps me well, out. Utah's just so, weird I don't anyway. trust the government. No. So let's not get into that. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Well, uh, do you have a ghost a story in Utah? Up. Did you have one? I can't remember. <laughs> I did. I don't remember. I off the top of my head, I don't remember. <laughs> did you have a ghost story for Utah? It was. Uh, oh, it was yeah, the purple. Yeah, lady. hold on. Well, I, well if you can think of any for Florida, Florida and Georgia, let me know. Well, Florida was. And, uh, uh, also, if you think of any for Florida and Georgia, I was born in Georgia, yeah. and I'm in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, Florida was the uh, lighthouse, the Augustine, uh, St. Augustine Lighthouse. Oh, the Purple Lady was Salt Lake Purple City. Lady was, yeah, was Utah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of similar to uh, to the white woman uh, narrative, you know, more colorful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she said <that>. Yes. <laughs> the purple. Um, but yeah, Florida was the St. Augustine Lighthouse. A ton of, just St. Augustine in general, like the whole city's haunted. I could have did a whole book on that, no problem. Um, Georgia. What do we do for Georgia? I don't even know what I did for Georgia. Did we do anything? You did something for uh, for Alabama. Oh, I did it for everybody. Georgia's there. I just, oh, Alabama. Oh, you had to Alabama do something has medicine for, for New Orleans. My dog wants to be part of the interview. Arkansas. Alabama has weed now. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. <laughs> Alabama. Wow. I'm impressed. Cute dog. Medicinal, medicinal. Oh, yeah. get out of here. The dog's in. 
Oh, and of course you have to have one at Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> it's like. Yes. That's a fun one, actually. The New England's, uh, that's just another, you know, another area that it's just, you couldn't have any more stories, you know. Like, oh, oh I mean, yeah. Oh, no, rock I know. You I kick, know. You know, so. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, here, and I've talked about this on the show a little bit, but here, here, you know, where I live, the gym where I go and work out is known to have at least two ghosts. And the, um, the guy who owns the gym, he doesn't own the building. It's the building that's haunted. Um, who owns, who, who, you know, has his gym in the building. He has had so many experiences there and they are, some of them are odd that he has set up cameras everywhere, you oh, know, okay. motion detector cameras, and they have picked up some strange things. Um, and sometimes not visual stuff, but just weird noises like um, something, the motion detector, and he has it keyed to his phone. So every time one of the cameras goes off, he gets a notification on his phone. And, uh, and but, but sometimes, Sometimes like the motion detector camera will go off, but you can't really see anything, but you'll hear these really weird sounds, like weird mechanical sounds, mm -hmm. just odd, you know, like you can't, sounds that you really can't identify. <clears throat> I mean, I've had a couple of kind of strange experiences there. I, I'll be honest, I've been creeped out there a couple of times, especially upstairs. Well, there was a guy there was a guy um, who right before the pandemic, we only just found this out. So the, 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 um, the um, gym upstairs abuts a, um, a couple on each side, a couple of, um, of apartments. And apparently on one side, um, right before the pandemic, because the pandemic shut the gym down for, you know, almost a year, but right before, right before the pandemic, there, there was a guy who lived in that apartment who died in that apartment and was found dead in that apartment. And, and, and he, everybody hated him that was in the building. He was known as being like a complete asshole. Okay. Definitely going to be a ghost. And, and well, <laughs> nobody expected there to be a ghost actually, because his girlfriend who he lived with at the time continued to live in the apartment. And in fact, moved that guy's, they had been together. And after he died, she moved his brother in and then they got together. <laughs> oh, well. Now okay. a tragic love story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's like, that would piss somebody <laughs> right. off, right? Right there. But anyway, none of that story was known until very recently. But what's interesting is is some of the experiences that people have had um, up there. Like there was, this happened just actually a couple weeks ago. He has this one camera that he sets up. And the reason he sets this particular camera up is that it doesn't, um, it, it malfunctions and it doesn't, 
it, it's supposed to take film, but it doesn't. What it'll what it does instead is it'll take stills, or you can get it to work live, but it won't record. He's never been able to figure out why this one camera just won't work right. Well, anyway, he was he had it set up so that it was pointing down the hall into what is kind of the um, what the kind of the, the boot camp boxing room. All right, so that it was going, you could see it going down the hall, and then um, you could see the doorway basically of that room. And he was talking downstairs. This, you know, it was in the evening, early evening. He was talking downstairs to a couple of customers about the kinds of things that were going on, and uh, or because they'd had, they thought they'd had a couple of weird experiences that, because one of the things that everybody experiences a upstairs is all of a sudden they'll, they'll, they think that they'll smell cigar and cigarette smoke mm. and nobody smokes in the building except that guy smoked in the building and they'll suddenly you know smell that well any yeah and 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 but anyway he was showing he was showing this customer this camera and, and it was live it was happening he was showing it live you know and while they were watching it, they both saw, and of course it didn't record it, but they both saw a figure walk across the doorway. And it didn't even look like a ghost. It just, it looked like just a person walking across the doorway. And he immediately jumped up, you know, the, the, the owner of the gym and ran upstairs to see if anybody was up there and nobody was up there. And it had, and the direction at which it had walked was towards where that apartment is, although it wasn't where the door is exactly. You know, they would have had to have walked through the wall into the apartment, but they both saw it. Hmm. They both saw it. And of course, unfortunately, because of the nature of that stupid camera, nothing was recorded. But the fact that they both saw it, like it like live you know it is freaked about entirely you know so i'm actually going to put together a little team and we're you know in the next couple months and we're going to set up in there and see if we oh, can nice. get anything see if we can get so, anything so do you, you know? do regular uh you know, investigations i don't not of ghosts t- typically oh, oh, not of ghosts typically hi ki- hi kitty not of ghosts typically um i i my investigations have been mostly of uh, uh, UFO stuff. Okay. I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote a, um, I have, a, I have a, a doctor's degree in American cultural studies, and I did mine on UFO abduction narratives in the United okay. States, but from a sociological perspective, you know, um, and um, and this was years ago. I mean, I my degree, you know, it was tw- over twenty years ago when I wrote this thing. Um, so that's where most of my effort has been is okay. like, you know, the history of UFOs and the, the importance of that narrative in our culture and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, whenever you start talking about this stuff in any group, people start bringing in their other stories. Sure, it all overlaps. You know, to, right. And it all overlaps. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and I've had, like I've mentioned, a few odd experiences. So it's I don't do regular ghost um, right. investigations, though. It's, I, I find those to be kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah, I I've, I've enjoy the kind of on my own 
wandering around or, you know, like the, the, the going through the bar, the Bobby Mackey's, you know, where you just had kind of the one person, you know, private tour sort of thing. Um, uh-huh. the, the group ones, uh, it just don't, I don't know, don't work well for me. <laughs> There's too much other influence going on or, you know, I don't know, just they get a little weird. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I guess the way I look at it is that, you know, if there, if there is something there, you know, if there is a residual from this, we think that there's two things going on. We think that there is a residual from this guy that died there, but, but there was some haunting stuff going on there before that. And that seems to be connected to the man who actually built the building. Okay. And, and who is um, a, a member of uh, a, a very well established family in this part of. And was he the Valley. cigar smoker as well? He's the cigar smoker. Yes. Yeah. And, so that, and I thought it was interesting when you brought that up because at least a few times in the book, I think I've mentioned, you know, smells that people, you know, experience a lot of times it's cigars or cigarettes, like some hotelier, you know, right well and 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 he was this he built he he built this is in uh this is in a village called port ewan in new york and he he basically his family built half the village and uh, you know and and was you know major property owner and stuff and um and this particular building that houses this gym is a, was one of his favorite buildings for whatever right. reason. And, and uh, he, he, I, I think one of his descendants owns it now, but so she like knew him and, um, and apparently a lot of the things that happen there are things that are associated with him. Like there, are, there are a part, it's like a two level ha- a building and you know, the, the nature of the building itself has changed over time but but always on the south end there were always apartments and he lived in one of those apartments and apparently in that apartment specifically people have people have reported regularly coming home and they'll find even in the winter time that the, the kitchen window will be open about two inches <laughs> and they'll and they'll sm- smell cigar smoke in there and that's what he used to do he used to he used to sit in in that kitchen at at the at a table by that window open it and smoke his cigars and that's where a lot of times i think uh you know that energy sort of thing comes into play and there's a few stories i think raven's one of them in the book and um like the georgia one um anyway uh where guys you know people are so in love with the place that they're at or or in love with the things that are happening and there that the idea is that they you know they just hang on right afterwards their energy stays there because they just that's their paradise right to yeah sit, that's that's sit that's in their chair and smoke their cigar or whatever and you know or that's the loop it's just that happiness that energy that came from that happy moment right is what is the residual that people experience later right, right. And, other and stories than you know murder ones and stuff Oh, well, yeah, yeah. well, and I think, too, that there are some places, you know, like, um, um, well, a place that I lived in, in, in Kansas called Buck Creek Valley that I recently wrote a blog about that was kind of a haunted place, but also other places where it's not necessarily a house that's haunted, but like an area that's haunted. Okay. Um, like, I don't know if you've heard, if you are familiar with the, um, 
a paranormal investigator, Paul Eno, but he has, he's done a number of really, really good, solid field studies of places where people have reported just interesting experiences, not like in a house, but like in a place. Right. And there's this one spot, I can't, I think, it, now I can't remember if it's in Connecticut or Pennsylvania, but um, uh, it, it's, it's the remains, the ruins of, of a village or, or of an early settlement that no longer exists, except that there are some ruins around, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And um, he talks about this extraordinary experience where he went into this place. Several, a number of people locally had had experiences around there. So he and several, you know, investigators went into this place and they didn't really know exactly what they were going to find because they'd heard all these different stories, you know. So they were just going to go and kind of check it out and, you know, see if see if their, you know, electromagnetic meters went off or, <laughs> or whatever, whatever was going on. And they all reported having the way he describes it, it, it was almost as if um, kind of in pulses, you were seeing, see or experiencing aspects of the village when it was still a village, when it was still alive. It's like you could hear you could hear horse-drawn wagons. You could hear the talking people talking. It was almost like, it was almost like you were time traveling a little bit. Okay, you know, um, and they were able to record some interesting sounds hmm. um, and to get some interesting photographs of, uh, you know, because these things, you know, you may experience them, but they never photograph, right? You know how that is. And, <laughs> right. you know, uh, <laughs> damn these ghosts. They just don't stand still. It's like all this shimmering crap, you know? Um, but, um, the, but his description of it is very interesting because what they had done was spread out over the entire site to just kind of get a sense of the different places and everybody had slightly different experiences because they were in different parts of this area, right. but they all had similar kinds of, of sensory um, responses um, in the sense that they all heard things. Uh, they, they saw some, th some of them saw some things. They were able to get some measurements um, and they sort of walked around and they went back several times to see whether or not it would vary, you know, by season or, mm -hmm. you know, if there were other things, other ways you could explain some of what they were experiencing. And they came to the conclusion that um, they couldn't explain everything. Right. And I, I, like, that's another, right. Another really common sort of ghost experience is, you know, ghost, right. Like the, the old West ghost town, right. It's mm -hmm. abandoned, it's empty, you know, the, the, you have that residual stuff happening, you know, back wing doors swinging open and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and it reminded me also of you know, a couple other stories in the book um, that uh, are com is kind of a common trope as well as, you know, the Native Indian burial ground or oh, yeah. you know, the cemetery that got moved. And, you know, I'm always wondering why do people keep building things on dead people? Like, you know, that's a bad yeah, idea. Well, 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 they, well, and they do do that. They do yeah. do that. I mean, <laughs> You know, I mean, we just had a situation like that here in Kingston. I live close to Kingston, New York, and uh, there was a, there's a, 
um, an African-American um, cemetery in the middle of Kingston. Um, and it's been, it was known to be there. I mean, it's, I mean, some of the people that were there were enslaved persons and some of them weren't. Um, but, you know, we tend to think of New York as not being a slave state, but slavery existed here for a long time. And, and even if you weren't enslaved, um, you were not equal. I mean, <laughs> segregation was, was very common throughout New York, even in the city. And um, so that this, that this was, this was a graveyard. And up until just this last year, they were going to dig it up and build over it. Oh, you know, but build like condos over it. And I'm just, you know, it was like, what, what the hell? You know, so finally, uh, you know, a consortium of people, including a lot of people in, in the, the, the African-American community here, were able to raise enough money to purchase it, to just purchase the land so that now it's in now it's you know it's it, it's it's in private hands it's in a trust you can't touch it but now they can you know they can um rehab it you right. know and take care of it the way it should be taken care of but it's just it's like yeah these graves don't matter this history yeah. doesn't matter well, this doesn't definitely matter. would have been haunted by a bunch of black ghosts that's what would have happened <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these condos I call yeah. that the poltergeist haunting from the, you know, from the movie, right? You never move the bodies. Oh, well, <laughs> I know, I know that, 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 that movie, well, and that movie is, that's, that movie is full of tropes. I right. mean, that movie right. has got some of the classic tropes in it, you know, <laughs> you know, that's what makes the movie kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. So you know? I had, I did find Georgia. I had to look at, for a minute, I was like, did I miss a state? Like I couldn't find, <laughs> so it was uh, Lake Lanier was Oh, like Lanier, yes. And then, and more specifically, oh, the, I've uh, been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so the uh, the the uh, Delia uh, Delia Delia. I'm gonna say her name wrong. Parker. Dahlia. 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 Yeah, Dahlia. I'm not sure. How to but uh, that's kind of the 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 cool story, right? That's based on a true story. You know, the car went over. They they found the car in 1990, I think it was. Um, when they're redoing the bridge and dug it out, and it's like the uh, blue lady at the lake. We like colorful ladies and ghosts. We like a lot of colorful purple, white, blue. Um, but that—that's the story for Georgia. So you've been to Lake Lanier. So if you read that one, it'll be very familiar to you. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I was gonna say real quick that uh, Amblin Entertainment, which is I guess Steven Spielberg's company, just put some UFO <laughs> show called Encounters on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but I would like to. I mean, that's pretty pretty interesting that he has done a whole production. It's like real, like a documentary. Yeah, that'd be good. Amblin from Amblin. Yeah. Let's see, one seventy five, one seventy five. I'm I'm going to one seventy five. So, what's in the cards for the future, book wise? Are you still going to go on the paranormal route more? Well, right now, I'm working do? on another. Uh, so, I have uh, my my fiction books. I have a series um, that's sort of a post-apocalyptic zombie mashup uh, spy thriller sort of thing. It's really hard. To, it's kind of like Jason Bourne meets zombies. Um, Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I have, there's two books out on that um, right now, and I'm, so I'm, I'm 
been off and on working on there's probably two more books in that series to finish it up uh i have another uh novel i finished last year that i'm Ooh. shopping right now and then i just started a, a new project that i think is going to keep going a lot of them kind of sputter to a stop you know that's probably more often than they don't uh, until you hit the right one so uh this one's a, a another novel a fiction novel so that's probably going to take uh the main focus for the next few months but i have been exploring some other haunted areas um i really may do a book just of michigan haunts or midwest haunts and i'd like to do one where i can where i can go to every location um because those were the funnest stories to write you know because you can put your personal experience in um so i'd like to do that regional books are a little harder to sell <laughs> um so we'll see you know it might depend a bit on how this book does uh whether that's uh something that i do and i may just do another you know 50 states like i said i could probably write four more books that are similar to this you know a story from each state sort of thing so um you know if people like it and it's popular you know i had a lot of fun doing it um uh, got a little more interested and i'm in the uh you know the ghost hunting and the investigating and I'm, I'm learning right along with the people that are reading, you know, this is a lot of, you know, new stuff for me. Um, so uh, I wouldn't mind uh, doing a couple more. I just was reading. What's the, up the lady, with the Savage the, the, Bunnies? That sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that yeah, too. I was Savage like, Savage Bunnies, Bunnies what's going, what's that's what's a, going uh, on with that's that? A, that's a cover band that uh, I sing and play guitar in. Uh, shout out uh, to those guys. If, any of them listen to uh, Eric on drums and Jason on guitar and Bruce on bass. We're a bunch of old guys that you know mess around in the basement and then go out every once in a while and play a bar and you know sort of like the Blues Brothers. By the time we get done, you know we owe more for our bar tab than what we're getting paid, but it's a fun night out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I was Definitely just reading the, uh, the, the, the the lady the lady in white on. Too devil's elbow oh yeah so that was uh uh my friend uh, uh chuck sent me that story um he's another horror writer um and uh that is sort of one of those regional ones that you know people are familiar with because of the story you know because right. of the, the trope but um it's just kind of a little more personal for people in that area you know and and it's, yeah. it's an interesting story but i like you know it's it's one of those that i like to throw out that you know, like the forestry and the mini quay, you know, people right there are really going to like it. <laughs> you know, right. it's like well, it, well, it's like, know, I know where all these places are. <laughs> right. And it's, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's sort of, you know, it feels like your story, right? Like, well, know. I, it's, it's like I could drive there. Right. Cause I, yeah, I know, yeah. I know exactly where it is. I know exactly where it is. Although I didn't know that that was something that was seen there, but, yeah. uh, I, but I know exactly where that is. So yeah, I was gonna bring that one up because when you mentioned New York, but I was letting it lie for a little bit. So, well, you know, it's you know, I wrote. I it's been a while. It's, I wrote in 2019. I published a book called um, "Mysterious Beauty: Living with the Paranormal in the Hudson Valley," and so you know, it's 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 very regional. It's just you know the Hudson Valley, and it and it covers like all kinds of different experiences, hauntings. Um, cryptids. I I go. I but I but I start out in the book with looking at 
indigenous stories of okay. of of unusual things mm -hmm. you know their own accounts of little people and and you know the the beings that they talked about uh living with um because there are you know we tend to think of indigenous people as having been driven out of this area, but there actually are people around here all, that I've, I mean, there's a whole community of indigenous people that are, that are here um, that have never left. And um, so they still, you know, tell those stories and maintain that. And so I, you know, then I kind of segue from that into settlement stories and then sort of bringing it up to date. Um, but What's, what's what's interesting to me about books like that for people who are interested, like you said, in the region is that I try to frame it so that these are places you could go to. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could actually yeah, drive the through those Same places. Here, a lot of the stories, you know, very specific of where the location is or, you know, hey, this is you can take a tour there if you want. Or you can do, you know, you can go drive down Seven Hills Road, you know, and see if it demon truck chases you <laughs> see if that ghost light is there right, right. you know i mean I, I i you know i talk about the ufos that are seen over the ashokan reservoir and over Sur sturgeon's pool which is like literally only four miles southwest of me mm -hmm. where i'm sitting you know and stuff like that so you know that the uh the little ghost lights that come up right. um from there sometimes and that that way it sort of makes it kind of real you know, yeah. these so are these I'm gonna grab something really quick. One second. Sure. And uh, I just wanted to say hello to all the people in chat tonight. We've had a few people in chat uh, stopping by. Stefan uh, Petronek. Probably messed up that name, but uh, <laughs> he's asking, uh, and I don't know if you have any that, that point to mind, but any stories from Pennsylvania or the Erie Lake? Erie region? Does anything pop into your mind? Oh, geez. that's just pops up. Our, our dudes. Okay. Um, if something comes up, let us know. But that was just an audience question. But yeah, thanks did, to everybody uh, in chat, did, though. Uh, Glad to see you guys. Betsy Ross, I did in Pennsylvania, was the Betsy Ross house. So that one's a little more, uh, was a little more popular. Um, I'm going to look really quick. Tell you a couple of the other ones that I looked at in Pennsylvania here. I got to figure out this weird delay thing. It's like something's trying to torture me. It's like Chinese water torture drop to give me a delay. It's like I got to get it fixed before my Halloween lineup. Hopefully my, my computer will be fixed Saturday. But it's like, what's the one thing we could do to mess with Jeffrey? It's like Chinese water torture or something like a, a drop that goes on your face. A delay. That, let's do that. A delay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Pennsylvania. Yeah, one, that's the uh, Ross, We've had uh, quite a few people right. in chat, and just. Uh, yeah. What were you saying about um, Pennsylvania? I was say the the Betsy Ross one there. That's what what I picked there, um, and that was one that I picked because it was kind of a nice story, you know. And, and the Betsy Ross legend, you know, whether that's what you believe about that or whatever, um, is regardless. You know, the house is there. Right. So, the house is it was, there. You know, it's more of a nice story that you know this person. You know, just kind of hanging out because they like the place. You know, there wasn't nothing malicious in that one. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to share really quickly um, because we were talking about uh, Chuck's story that he sent me. This is his book, C.W. Breyer. So uh, he uh, put me onto the uh, New York story that's in the book. And he has a few books up. Great guy. You should read his books. New York, 
local. Oh, yes. Okay. And then uh, Patrick Bryavald would be another artist. Yeah, this is a short story collection. He's got some other stuff. He does some fantasy stuff, too. So, cool guy. You should check him out. I just got the new Holly, Stephen King. I haven't started it yet, but I know it upset a bunch of uh, Trump people for some reason, but I don't care about that. But I'll read it. Uh, Holly, I got that. I'll buy two. Uh, exactly. Thing. Exactly. Like the stupid yeah, one. Yeah. Hold on just a second. I got to check it. I'll be right yeah. back. So I actually, I, I haven't got I, I, I call Trump. I. Did you check to see if it was out there right now? Okay. I. Uh, I didn't get Holly it's, yet. It's on my uh, tenor. I haven't read Fairy Tale yet either. I haven't read Fairy Tale yeah. yet. Yeah, me either. I have uh, actually. But, uh, all the way back oh, I was going to say, I have a group oh, on Facebook right. called. Uh, I have a. The delay's messing me up. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so this is going to go with me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all the way back to Billy Summers, I haven't yeah. read yet. So I got three or four um, stacking up, which is weird because as a Stephen King fan, I, you know, I'm one of those guys that has every one of his books, you know, and up on my shelf, I'm looking at right up there. Um, but I'm kind of getting to the point where, you know, it used to be I'd read it the first day it came out, you know, and it would be done before, you know, nightfall. But I'm kind of like stacking them up. <laughs> it sounds kind of shitty, but like, oh, maybe there's, there's going to be a day when there aren't any more Stephen King books, so I'm going to save a few. <laughs> Uh, okay. that, that's Sorry me about too. That. It's like I'm trying to get a Stephen King, us trying to get trying to get a Stephen King collection up in case there's an apocalypse. I don't like. I need Christine and Salem's Lot, and I'm behind on Billy Summers' Fairy Tale and Holly, yeah. but there's some older ones that I've never read. Christine, I'd really love to read that. But oh, if yeah, it, yeah. if the grid goes down, I really want to have those, you know. So I need to start <laughs> start getting those. But I call Trump Fuhrer Shipbird von Trumpelgooch. Fuhrer Shipbird von Trumpelgooch. <laughs> that's where I stand pretty much with that. So. <laughs> yeah, what, what, we are not Trump lovers on this show. I don't know. We've had we've that. we've had we've had a few Trump lovers on the show, and it's we have to sort movie. of. We have to sort of bite our tongues. Yeah, usually, uh, you know, creatives, you know, artists, writers, you know, you're usually in safe company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Usually, not yeah, always. Every once in a while, not so much, but yeah. not always, but so usually, <laughs> usually. It's funny. I have mm -hmm. a. Uh, I've a, had to sit here while a guest was like pretty much. Oh, oh, just want to just want to say real quick. I've had to sit here during a guest that pretty much is glad Ukraine is getting bombed because there's Nazis <laughs> there, and like is happy about it. Like this, like the weirdest it's a, show. <laughs> it's, it's a weird world it's right crazy. now. But go ahead, Michael. <laughs> go, yeah, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, I, don't I think. I, oh, I have a uh, another uh, interview coming up in a, a week or so that. Uh, uh, they had sent some pre-questions, you know, the, this is kind of how it's going to run. And the first thing was, tell me something you hate, you know, and it can be political. It can be whatever, you know, blah, blah, that sort of thing. I'm like, I'm going to alienate half your audience. <laughs> I hate Trump. <laughs> I hate, Ma I don't I hate MAGA. If you would like. <laughs> I hate MAGA. MAGA yeah. sucks. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm not selling probably a lot in the 
red stains, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, especially you know, but yeah, well, I use big words and they can't read it anyway, so. Well, and and they they would think they would think things like Doctor Allen that that he would be like yeah uh, Doctor Hart yeah Doctor Hart Doctor yeah. Hart it, it's proof that you're woke yes <laughs> which is a weird insult because I'm really grateful when people say it yeah it's like, <laughs> thanks for noticing it's like, it's like yeah what you're basically admitting is that you're asleep <laughs> you know yes. what I mean it's like it's like you think it's okay that you're asleep <laughs> that's weird weird it's been a very strange that's crazy seven yeah, years or so been very strange yes <laughs> what is modello <clears throat> what's that uh, what what do you know what a modello as an occupation is mm, i don't think so I'm gonna look that up. Modelo. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Well, there's Casa Modelo, which is the house of authentic Mexican beer. Hmm. Well, I, see. I don't remember. Modelo is a large brewery in Mexico that exports beers to most countries of the world. So maybe this person works for that company. Mo hmm. Oh, Modelo is a beer. So that's hilarious. This person said that their occupation is Modelo. <laughs> Do you work for the company or is your occupation just beer? Yeah, I'm a beer. <laughs> I'm a it's beer. Like, it's it's uh, Chief Wiggums, Ralphie Wiggums growing up. I'm a beer. <laughs> I'm a beer. I'm a beer. I like beer. <laughs> I don't like beer. Well, I like beer too, but right. only certain types and only for a little while. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. I like weed. Yeah, he likes weed. Well, you uh, like. Hey, you Michael, like would you ever do? Would you ever do cryptids? See, you go to um, cryptid actually, locations. I, I I would, and I actually have, and I haven't taken it yet, but I have like a correspondence course thing that's all about like cryptids so like you get a basically like a little degree in cryptology so you get a degree yeah it's like okay that sounds cool so <laughs> you know let's say it's like a little like correspondence course or whatever i'm like this is great like just get to just to learn about all the different ones you know or whatever like maybe stuff i don't know yet so um but i haven't got to it yet i actually just Might moved house, for a so. book in the future for sure for sure <laughs> I'm like only, and, uh, one so the only room we got about uh <laughs> six uh, six minutes Ooh. we got about 11 minutes we got well, we minutes. got about 11 minutes uh what uh is there any is there anything from the book you'd like to share or any story that is like your favorite story ever um, I don't know I kind of like them all I don't or anything really like that because I don't love how I read um one of my one of the ones i really like is uh grace sherwood the grace sherwood story that's the virginia story um and grace sherwood was uh convicted as a witch and uh it's a very vengeful sort of story and i like it because i like i like grace you know the story of grace you kind of you know if you if you know the witch stories right they're all falsely accused and she was one that uh they tried to uh they tied and did the ducking so uh, ah. is now Witch Duck Bay <laughs> is what it's actually ah. called. And she was the only uh, witch convicted in Virginia. 
Um, but uh, they ducked her in and she floated. <laughs> so, Uh-oh. So they're like, oh, shit. She's a witch! They, She's so a then, witch! They, yeah, exactly. It turned like, turned Monty Python. <laughs> she's got a wart um, <laughs> but that one was fun because it's you know it's very uh vengeful and then she's sort of uh they she's acquitted like in you know posthumously so um she kind of gets her uh you know her revenge and her innocence restored uh so that right. that's a fun story um and I, I like the Salem story wow, too. She even though floated people are and got acquitted. She floated and well, got acquitted. That's she got acquitted posthumously. She was dead. Posthumously, yeah. Posthumously. posthumously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it didn't she, end great at the beginning. Like she, <laughs> that bad part. She, was had, she had to die first. Right. Well, and the Salem one was fun to write. Just, I mean, it's very familiar for everybody, but I, uh, the, you know, yeah. I really focused on rather than the witches, I focused on Corey Giles and uh, you know getting pressed to death. So that was oh yeah, you know, that was an interesting story. And I, I mean, that was one that I I enjoy that story. Um, you know, it's sort of that you know the spy that won't talk sort of thing, right? Like you just you know he's not gonna give in, you know and let go of his convictions and his faith and whatever. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not, a, I'm not going to say I'm a witch just cause you're going to kill me. <laughs> but then of course he's also dead. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. Well, I'm just looking at this picture of, of them, these guys and they've tied this old woman up in a chair. Oh, I thought for the uh, Grace Sherwood story, the picture. Yeah. So yeah, she that's... was actually, they tied her thumbs to her toes yeah, I, I was reading that. Yeah, I so, don't know how she floated, but float she did apparently. Well, <laughs> well, I guess you could. I mean, yeah, if, like if she, dead if man's she, float, it, maybe sort of. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. that wouldn't necessarily keep you alive. Yeah, right. that's, it, it, <laughs> well, yeah, he the, the sheriff then tied a thirteen-pound yes. Bible yes. around her neck to help, help her sink. <laughs> Okay, what an asshole. Okay, yeah. oh, you know, weren't they all then though? Like, like that's the uh, the story of the witch trials. He's like, all these assholes did this stuff. <laughs> and then she managed to free herself. It's crazy. Yeah, she was pretty awesome. Like, I really like her story. Lots well, what's I mean, what's when I look at this story? When I look at this picture, though, it's it's just kind of terrifying because it's like. All you had to do is like be an old person. Well, most uh, in the Salem story, uh, there's a lot about it as well. And in this one, she was really like, it was, it was almost always that they didn't like the person, right? Like they, right. Or they wanted their land or they were weird. You know, they dressed different. They acted different or they, you know, had a cat. Like some, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there was careful Jeffrey, you would be screwed right them. With your black cat, you would be, you're done. Sorry. You're uh, obviously consorting with the devil. Um, but it was usually because they wanted their property or something like that, or they were jealous about something. And then they just, all they had to do was say, yeah, she's a witch. And then, you know, there were some pretty good judges that would not allow sort of that, uh, um, supernatural testimony and evidence. But then there was others where you could just say, well, you know, I saw her talking to the devil. Like, oh, good enough. <laughs> good know. enough. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It was, a. Uh, but you know, I, uh, 
well, alienates more people. I'm not a religious person, and I find religion extremely harmful. And I used, I was raised a religious person, had a big sort of uh, got away from religion for different reasons. I won't go into that are long, but it was a it was a journey from being raised religion to where I am now. Right, and a long journey and a and a difficult journey of because you're you're indoctrinated, right? right. <laughs> As a kid, no, no. You know? I was I was indoctrinated. I get yeah. it. I was raised a so very like to try to get away from that is 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 hard, right? Um, right. But that's a thing that, like I was saying before, kind of ties back to the skeptic thing is that I just don't accept things at face value very often, you know. So um eventually i was like this just does not make sense you know as i got older right and and went down that road but um religion now i i'm kind of actively against right not so much that i just don't like it or i just am not a participant um i'm kind of actively against religion because it's so harmful um and you see it back in like these stories right with witches and things like that it was all religious based you just said you know well god said she's a devil so there she goes. Um, and you see it now, right, in our political landscape. <laughs> so, well, so right. you, know, you know, it's like the last, again, talking about the last seven years or so, that was, that's really turned me off even more to where I was more just a atheist that said, okay, you do what you do and just leave me out of it. To where I'm not like, you should probably stop what you're doing because you're hurting people. <laughs> right, right. But, no, I, I understand. I so, understand. Uh, Get comments on that one. That'll be good. Definitely. <laughs> well, that's okay. Hey, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but maybe if I read the UFO God book, I'll have a whole different perspective. Hey guys, does it seem like I still have a delay? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was testing stuff. Does it still seem like the delay is happening? I turn. I, I've been testing stuff, so it seems like it's still happening. Very annoying. But we got a uh, four minutes left. Uh, uh, what is your uh, first off? I just want to say it's been a very great show. We really appreciate it, and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I was kicking off the Halloween season early, and it's a great show to do that with for sure. We got a killer Halloween lineup coming up. That's insane! Great. Fred Anderson from Sweden on UFO encounters. His book Northern Lights is next Saturday, and then the next Friday is uh, Mark Desowek. Uh, mystery of Edgar Allan Poe's death, which is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then after that, Stephen Flowers, Gothic Meditations at Midnight. He's occult breaks down like old silent horror movies and the occult stuff in them from Nosferatu to all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, maybe some Ramiro. And then uh, the last show of uh, October is going to be uh, Michael Aliasa, uh, Dark Ink Publishing darkinkpublishing.com they have a lot of biographies with horror icons like Kane Hodder uh, who played Friday the 13th Jason uh, Gunnar Hansen that played Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre this dude's basically going to sit down and tell us about their biographies and their real life and stuff for our Halloween show so that's badass I can't wait for that for sure that's going to be great and Wham uh, I don't know Jay will be here the 6th and the 13th I don't know if you want to set in for Fred Anderson. If you do, let me know. But I don't know I'll if you, you also know. want to sit in on Stephen Flowers. I don't have a co-host for the 20th. Okay, yeah, I'll check in with you in text or whatever. No, yeah, check, check but, in uh, with the me. the 20th check is Stephen Flowers and then uh, Fred okay. Anderson. Okay. Okay. No, I'll, I'll okay. check in with you. And uh, it's been a great, Mike. What's, what, what's, your, what's your website? I want and plug whatever you like. 
Yeah, just to say, so uh, obviously American Ghost Stories, right? You can get that on uh, Amazon right now. Um, you can find my website at www.mikekozlowski.com. Um, so easy enough, right? Just Mike Kozlowski. Uh, there are more books there. Got my store, got my shop, um, got my blog. I have a mailing list. Uh, there's giveaways. Uh, you can find me uh, under that name, M.A. Kozlowski or Michael Kozlowski on Facebook and Twitter. Links from my website there uh, so you can find it easily. Would love to have more followers. And I don't just, you know, market myself all day long on Facebook. I'm usually a pretty fun guy. I try to keep it, uh, <laughs> you know limited so i'm not just annoying people all the time that's cool so but yeah well, been, uh, had a great we appreciate time. it so much fun. and uh savage bunnies baby that's right <laughs> that's right and uh that would be great <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully we your new hard so drive will thanks, work thanks everybody i pray okay. god I'll know tomorrow, please, someone. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. You listen to United Public Radio 107.7. Uh, someone said it's just not really bad to lay here, just an occasional echo and pause. So I'm going to listen to it later. I know it's there, but, man, it make me crawl out of my skin, this delay. So I pray <laughs> tomorrow my computer's fixed, so no more dumb delay. The worst thing about it is computer crap. You have to call Joe and reset StreamYard and get a code. And it and I put it on my other computer, but something happened, so StreamYard couldn't be used on it. So it stayed on the laptop. It's just been chaos. When is this Mercury retrograde shit over? October oh, well, 2nd, right? Well, my, my turn, my, well <laughs> Mercury retrograde right now. So... <laughs> But it's about the only planet that isn't retrograde. So, so for those uh, New Orleans okay. listeners, we got the La Lori Mansion story in here. So you'd be familiar with that for the uh, 107 crew out there. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So it ended. It, Mercury retrogrades ended. I thought it ended on the second. Oh, it, it was October, ended. It was so ended, it, ended it, two, two, three weeks ended. ago. It's ended. Uh, you had a full moon yesterday, oh, though, so probably no, the full moon was actually at yeah. 3 a.m. Wow, okay. See, so there you go. That's probably what it was. That's blame what I it on, for, blame that's it on what, something because what, we don't know. That's what I get for Google. <laughs> Ghost in the machine. Ghost in the machine. That's what I get. That's what I get for Googling stuff. Googling stoned. That's what I get for looking <laughs> stuff up. All right. All right, everybody have a good weekend. I'm going to watch that Gen Z that new boy spinoff show on Amazon. Then there's some weird Ronald, raw doll, weird little thing on yeah, Netflix. That Benedict Cumberpatch, you know, the dude did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I want to see that called Henry Sugar. So I got a mm -hmm. lot of stuff to watch, a lot of crap. But everybody have a good weekend. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Bye. man. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Bye, Michael. Thank you. Bye, Miss Great show.